Rosalie here. I am the little helper of the Live Feisty Media Podcasts. The Iron Women Podcast, I think, is one of the best podcasts in the whole entire world. I want to be a professional triathlete when I grow up because it makes us healthy and strong to do lots of triathlon. I also think I might want to be a hairdresser. Just saying. You can help Iron Women grow by using the codes Iron Women when you order from our sponsors. It really helps. Those sponsors are Crave Jerky, F2C Nutrition, Sound Probiotics, Coffee Method, Rudy Project, and Smashfest Queen. Go to ironwomenpodcast.com to find all codes and links. And now, introducing your hosts, Alyssa Kadeski and Haley Chura. Hi, Haley. How are you doing this week? Alyssa, I'm pretty good. It's actually race week for me. And I I realized something between the last time we talked and this week, and that was I forgot to wish you a happy birthday last week. So I hope you had an amazing day um, up there in the trails in Vermont. Thank you. Yes. You know that training's like pretty big, I guess, when Hillary is your coach and she doesn't even make you do a birthday swim because that would just be like, way too much. So I just had like my normal plan that I was doing that day and it felt very normal and lovely and everything went well, but thank you. So it was a good day up here. Do you have a pool up there in Vermont? Are you doing like open water? So I could do open water, but I do, I'm using the pool at the ski resort, which is not, you know, it's definitely not the best pool I've ever swum in, but it's 25 yards and there's a lane. So it works. (laughs) But there are a lot of lakes up here, and they're actually pretty clean. So I think before I go, I am going to force myself to do some open water sessions because that would probably be good for me too. Cool. Has the weather been pretty good up there? It has. It's warming up a little bit. It was kind of funny because everyone was freaking out with these heat advisories yesterday because it was going to hit 90. And I was like, this is nothing, you guys. I can handle this. So, But it's pretty, I, you know, knock on wood, I don't want it to change too much in the next, you know, month and a half or so, but it's pretty perfect. You wake up and it's kind of the low 50s and then it gets into the 70s. Usually maybe it gets into the 80s during the day, but on the trails it feels much cooler. So it's really been a really nice climate for training. And I did another long run on the long trail last weekend. And Haley, as I was finishing, I see this guy that I had seen on the trail a little bit as I did an out and back and he was hitchhiking and trying to get a ride. He was a through hiker back to the town that's probably five miles away. And so as I was coming off the trail, he was like, hey, are you going to Bennington? And I was caught in this huge dilemma, Haley, because I was like, oh, everything my mom has ever taught me has told me to say no. (laughs) But I feel like I desperately need to be getting all the good trail juju I can while I'm out here. And this guy looks normal and it looks like he can just use a ride into Bennington. So I did it and I gave, it was the first time I ever picked picked up up a hitchhiker. hitchhiker. I know. Yeah. So that was exciting. And then he turned out to be, 
he raced uh, Ironman New Zealand. He knew Ironman stuff. He had hiked uh, the PCT last year, was doing the AT this year, and then is going to do the CDT, the Continental Divide Trail, I believe, next year to do the Triple Crown. So he was cool. He I don't know what he does. It was only a five-mile drive, so I never got to find out what he does that allows him to just be out hiking the trails for most of the summer and stuff. But I didn't get, it, you know, it wasn't quite as scary as my Taiwan getting into a car with someone else. So, um, <laughs> so this is good. That's kind of fun. I've actually, I have actually hitchhiked before. I'm, I don't know if I've ever picked up a hitchhiker, but I've been the hitchhiker who has been picked up. So yeah. So thank you from, from that perspective. Uh, usually you aren't doing that unless you really need to. So kind of cool. I did think of you this last week because I saw Jennifer Farr Davis, who we mentioned, um, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about your long trail adventure for our listeners who aren't familiar with her, she did at one time hold the speed record for the Appalachian trail for men and women. And so it was kind of cool. I got to hear her talk a little bit about, about that record and about like trail juju, like you're talking about. And it got me pretty psyched for you. It's a cool group of people that you're kind of that, you know, that you're in with and they are, they're, they're endurance athletes to the max, you know, and, and they're, you know, they really do embody, I think what we think of as iron women, and Iron Men, just not necessarily the brand, but the kind of endurance lifestyle kind of gist of it. <laughs> and she's done an Iron Man too. I don't know. Do you know which one she did? Did she tell you? I don't to talk know. About that? I okay. need to look that up. Yeah. I did talk to her after I got her book and I got an autograph and, um, cause that's just what I do. And I may have planted a seed about possibly having her as a podcast guest. So we'll see if that, if that comes together, but she did, she sent mentioned that she has done an Ironman triathlon, um, one and, and it was, yeah. So, I mean, we're all, we're all one big family, right? Exactly. And in the triathlon world, or wait, did we tell, tell where you're racing? No, I am. I'm racing Ironman 70.3 Coeur d'Alene this weekend. So I am the defending champion, if you can believe it. Oh, I can believe it. Yeah. If anyone's in Coeur d'Alene on Saturday at 1 PM, I'll be on the pro panel. Please come ask me all your questions. If you, uh, you know, just don't have time to email them to the mailbag, you can come ask me in person and hear from it, you know, watch me answer in front of everyone. Cause I, you know, I'd love to meet people too. I love Coeur d'Alene. What's the weather looking like there, Haley? Have you, are you one of those people that checks all the time? See, normally for myself, I wouldn't, but I have a couple athletes racing and I feel like to be a responsible coach, it, you know, I should at least check the weather. So I think it's going to be pretty perfect. I mean, maybe a little bit on the warm side. I think the high is 85, but the good thing about a race like Coeur d'Alene is that it starts at the, the good or bad thing. It starts at 6 a.m. So we have a 6 a.m. start, which is very early wake up, but it means you're done fairly early in the day. So you are not out there at the hottest part of the day, full sun. I think it's going to be a wonderful day and it's always fun. I love it. It's one of my favorite courses and I'm looking forward to having a lot of familiar faces from, you know, the Bozeman area of people racing. So should be fun times. I do and remember that the, the sun comes up at like four in the morning there. It's wild. Yes. I think you're like right on the time zone line on the Idaho Montana border almost, but Alyssa, there's something else that's kind of cool that I noticed about both races that are coming up this weekend or two of them, uh, Coeur d'Alene and 70.3 Montremblant. And one of the cool things about Coeur d'Alene, if you look at the start list, I believe there are 22 women and 21 men, um, what? on the start list. Yes. More women than men. And I think Tremblant was like 23 men and 22 women. 
So again, these are start lists. That's not necessarily who shows up, but I mean, this argument that the women's fields aren't as competitive, I would, I would, I would highly argue against that. I know. <laughs> so that's awesome. Really. I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. So it seems like what we're doing is working. I think we can give ourselves a little pat on the back for our work that we're doing to help boost the women's numbers too. Yeah. And bravo to the women for showing up, for signing up for, you know, being at these races. And it's a reflection of a lot of things. And I think, you know, ultimately it is like the women's fields are tough. These women are hard. And so that's why as I can go in as defending champion, have my name at the top of the list, I am going to celebrate that. Um, at least while I can right this week, I can, I could be super happy about that. We'll, we'll talk next week and see how it goes. No, I'm hopeful. I think it will be a good day. No, I love it. I can't wait to hear all about it. And this last weekend we had some races go on too. We had the 70.3 European championships which Mel Hoschelt won, um, Heli Fredrickson was second, and then Sarah Spensk was third. Mel Hoschelt is on a roll, yeah, right? Yeah, she's on fire. That's her. That's like her fifth win in a row and like her third championship race win in a row. I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's crazy. That's awesome. If you're going to pick them to win them, I guess, she has it sorted out in that Go make manner. the big bucks, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then Haley, did you see, so our podcast friend, Grace Tech, over in Japan, she got some redemption. Did you see this? I did. She won. She came so close to winning that race in Geelong, Australia earlier this year. And we talked to her about that where she collapsed right before the finish and came away with her first ever 70.3 victory in Japan this last weekend. So congratulations to Grace. And let's see. So coming up, we do have, of course, your race. Everyone should be eagerly watching this weekend. But in a couple of weeks, so July 1st is Challenge Rote. That's how we say it, right, Haley? Did I get that? Holt. 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 I think it's Holt. You got to have your best, like, German accent. Maybe you need to drink a beer before you say it. <laughs> and eat some, like, brats. <laughs> some pretzels with mustard. Is that really German, or am I making this up? <laughs> well, our other friend of the podcast, Torsten, will surely let us know if that is German or not. But Haley, he puts together, so the Kona report, which we know about, he actually is doing a Holt rating report for everyone with information about the race, the course, the pros that are racing there. I mean, if you know Torsten, you know, he gives you all of the information in the ins and outs, and it's surely going to be helpful for everyone to be watching that race, which is, I guess, going to be a pretty big one. So uh, as with the Kona report, this is free to download, but donations are definitely accepted. And we know he works pretty hard on those. And there's also going to be a live stream that Torsten is involved with, I believe, for the race, which is exciting. Yes, yes. Everyone should go to tryrating.com to download that report. And um, and then uh, I guess for us in North America that the live stream would be kind of in the middle of the night. But it is probably one of those ones that you could wake up in the morning and watch the run and see what's happening. And Torsten did mention that he would like people to give him feedback, especially women, and make sure that he's – covering the women's race and the men's race equally. So we, you know, applaud Torsten for just being aware of that and thinking about it. And it should be a great women's race. I think we have a Lucy Charles racing and Yvonne Van Vlerken always races really well there. Laura Siddle has been on fire this year. Yeah. Just some, I'm sure there are others I'm forgetting, but should always, you know, it's always a very fast, very exciting race. It is. It is. So we're very excited for that coming up. What else we are excited for that's coming up, Haley, is the Outspoken Summit. Did you see that the first four speakers have been announced? 
I'm so pumped. I know I saw that announcement come out this week and on the list are Stacey Sims, who we've had previously on the podcast. I think it possibly still our most popular episode, most downloaded episode ever. So she has so much good information on women's physiology and I can't wait to hear kind of an update from our podcast this, this November. Uh, we also have Rachel Joyce. So everyone, one of, you know, everyone's favorite championship triathletes ever. Um, Rachel has so much wisdom and experience and she's been doing some really cool things in the sport too, getting more women involved. I think she's going to talk about all of these things. She's just such an inspirational, very down to earth champion to talk to. Um, so I'm excited to hear what she'll be coming in to say. Yes. And Catherine Bertine, who you just interviewed a couple weeks ago when I was out, um, about, you know, advocacy and fighting for equality. She comes from a cycling, you know, primarily the cycling world, but she has a triathlete and has a lot of experience there as well. So I'm excited to hear her in person since I missed that chat. And then we have Anne Head, who will also be speaking there. And I don't want to spoil too much of her story, but because she is actually, you know, spoiler alert, we are having her on the podcast next week. So she'll be talking to us all about that then. And you guys can listen in next week to hear more on her story. And maybe she'll give us a sneak preview to what she's going to talk about at the summit. But in the meantime, check out outspokensummit.com for the most updated schedule. And you can register there. And it's going to be a great time. Yes. November, well, November 20 or 30th, November 30th through December 2nd in Tempe, Arizona. And Alyssa and I will be there and it's, you know, it's going to be a great opportunity to listen to these great speakers, network with other women, female triathletes and endurance athletes and, and make some friends, do some workouts, enjoy Arizona in the winter. Seriously. There's no better way to start the cold month than to not be in somewhere cold. So that's usually my MO and how I do it. So I can't wait for Arizona in that time. And Haley, we do have a mailbag question this week, which is very exciting. So just a reminder to our listeners, if you have questions for us, you can email us at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And we have Matt who wrote into us this week. And first he wants to suggest that we have a sound effect for when the male listener writes in hoping, you know, maybe that would encourage more men to write in. So we'll see if our lovely editor, Aaron, can maybe work something out there. (laughs) What is a male sound effect? I don't, I mean, is that something we're, aren't we trying to like work against that? Um, I I don't know how I feel about that. I also feel like we have more male listeners than the people give us credit for. I seem to meet them all over the place. And I I don't know. It's kind of, I I mean, we love our male listeners, right? But do we have to like give a gender to our, our listeners? Probably not. So we'll just move on to his mailbag question. And Sorry, we're going to write it again because now I'm like, I'm analyzing your whole question before we can get to it. No, thank you for your, thanks for your suggestions. We take them all seriously. <laughs> so his question is that he knows we both raced this spring and had good races, but maybe we didn't meet our highest ex- expectations going in. So he's wondering how we evaluate our races afterwards. Is there anything in particular we try and take from each race, good or bad? And how do we keep doing the things that went well and then keep from repeating the same mistakes? What do you think, Kaylee? This is a good question. I'm starting to wonder if Matt like knows me or my therapist or <laughs> no, I'm just, um, I, I, I do not know this, Matt. I can actually say that, but, uh, yeah. So I think looking at my races this year, I definitely, they aren't bad. 
you know, they weren't terrible, especially my fourth place in Brazil. I will not say that's terrible. Like it was, it was a solid day. It was not the day I had trained for. And so I think that's kind of where you, you evaluate. Like I look at my workouts leading up to that race and, um, I sat down with my coach and especially, and we kind of did, we looked at the workouts leading up to the race and then the race results. And was that what we expected? Not exactly. So, and again, those metrics we use are probably, you know, I use, I do race with power. I look at heart rate. I look at my pace on the run. I look at, you know, even perceived exertion, like how did this feel? And then, you know, if it didn't match up with what we expected, it's like, okay, why? And it could be something on the day, you know, or when I looked at, you know, my performance in Brazil, I kind of looked back in the weeks leading up to it. And I thought about what could I have done different? Um, what was I doing different this year versus last year? Because I raced in Brazil last year and had what I would consider a better result. So I did look at those things. And I think one of the big takeaways I came away with was actually that outside of training, I don't know if I was sleeping enough to be honest. And that's such a simple thing. And it's also so hard. And so one of the things I've done the last couple of weeks is I actually started setting a bedtime alarm on my phone and it sounds like so funny, but it's been wonderful and terrible because one, it makes me aware of like when I'm going to bed. And I think that's something that before, um, I come from an age group or background, I like to, you know, do other things and I can get away on probably not enough sleep, but I missed that like extra little bit in my performance. And I think that's what I saw. So I set this bedtime alarm and it made me realize like, I usually am on the computer. I'm on my phone. I'm doing something that I should not be doing at a time when I should just go to bed. So it's made me more aware of that. Am I perfect with it? No, I have not, you know, I'm not definitely not going to bed immediately when I see that alarm, but I start to wrap things up. And I think in general, over the last couple of weeks, I have been going to bed earlier. I've been getting more sleep. I've been more aware of it and we'll see this weekend if it, if it pays off, you know, that's another thing I told myself, I'm like, let's do this for a little bit of time. I'm not going to do this for my whole life because I think that's too limiting, but you know, let's try it. Let's try it for a little while and see how it goes. So Matt, stay tuned. We'll see how that works. No, I think that's really good. I think, you know, for me, a lot of times now the mistakes I see myself making in races happen because of the tactics and it's just, you know, such new experiences a lot of times for me where I've never had, you know, in, in Taiwan, I've never been first out of the water, you know, I've never been with the other woman, you know, leading the bike and staying together, you know, and I couldn't stop and call my coach and be like, what do I do? Like, what's the answer here? You know, you, you figure it out and you, I have enough racing experience, obviously to make a best estimate, but there were definitely things I think I could have done better and just been more aware of in the moment to find, you know, the times to really make a move and things like that. But a lot of times, you know, those things are also all small and they add up to something big. But a lot of times when you don't have the race you want, like you said, it's something that's going on outside of the race. And being able to take an honest look at that stuff, I think is really important. And just to be able to determine, are you getting enough sleep? Are you eating well? You know, are you paying enough attention to really what you're doing day to day and not overstressing yourself? Because I think that just adds up to so much more than you realize sometimes. So it's always a good time after a race to whether it's good or bad to sit down and take a look at things. Um, you know, I, I kind of think there's always going to be something to learn that, you know, it's really hard to always to ever be 100% satisfied, especially the type of personalities that we have racing. So I think 
you have to, on one hand, appreciate what did go well, but also appreciate the fact that there's room for improvement and it's not something that has to be catastrophic. It's just something to work for. Right. And I think that's what keeps us going, right? Is the fact that there might be something we could have done better. So, um, while I do think, you know, you always celebrate races and, you know, just the ability to, uh, under your own, own power, travel 140.6 miles or 70.3 miles, or, you know, I don't know how long an Olympic distance is in miles, <laughs> but, um, you know, a sprint distance, your local 5k, um, you know, it's no matter what, it's really cool what you're doing. And there is always, you know, there is always a lot to celebrate, but at the same time, it's like our goal, especially as professionals is we're trying to get the most out of ourselves. And so there is always a bit of valuation and, I think it's okay to be, you know, disappointed for a little bit of time, but then it is, you know, what can I learn from this? And sometimes this is something I kind of feel like as a recurring theme in all different, you know, generally I talk about Jennifer Farr Davis's book and all these other things, all these other speakers I've heard in the last couple of weeks, a lot of things about sport can teach you about life too. And so I try to remind myself that. So even if I have a hard day in sport, like how could, you know, can I learn lessons from this that will help me later in life. Cause again, I won't do this forever, but you know, the lessons I learned can stick with me for a long time. Well, hopefully we gave Matt some insight there and Haley, I think we're going to move on to our interview for this week, which is very exciting. So why don't you tell our listeners who we have? Yes. This week we have Stephanie Waugh and she is a French Canadian athlete from Quebec, Canada. I have not said any of those words correctly because my accent is very American, not at all French Canadian, but I think everyone can get the the gist there. But she is a three-time 70.3 champion. Most recently, she won Eagle Man 70.3 just last weekend. Um, she's also very young and has had these, you know, incredible successes very early in the sport. So it's kind of a different perspective than some of our other interviews. So Hopefully our listeners will, you know, love listening and learning a little bit more about this young Canadian athlete. We are grateful to be supported by Crave Jerky, Coffee Message, F2C Nutrition, Sound Probiotics, Rudy Project, and Smashfest Queen. Before we go to Stephanie's interview, we're actually back for a very quick mailbag question we have for a special guest that we had come in and Rosie, this question actually came in for you. Okay. So we had Jody write in Rosie and she wanted to know what your favorite flavor of ice cream is for recovery. She prefers vanilla, but she really was interested to know what you thought. Chocolate, definitely chocolate. Is this chocolate ice cream or froyo? Cause we got a little tip that you are ice a big cream. fan of froyo. Ice cream, ice cream. So ice cream all the way, Jody. You heard it here. And Rosie, I actually had my own question for you too. I didn't write into the mailbag because it's my own email account, but I was curious. I saw on Instagram the other day that during your splash and dash, maybe a few weeks ago, you forgot your shoes. Is this, can you confirm that this might've happened at one of the splash and dashes? I cannot remember anything like that. that's a good tactic to just always deny when any sort of equipment malfunction could happen i i'm with you all the way i think you ended up running in your pretty pink shoes anyway and so you got it done so that was the lesson i think i wanted to tell everyone how you persevered and just ran in your pretty pink shoes anyway and you did it like a champ thank you 
Okay. Well, thank you, Rosie. Thank you so much for all your help that you, uh, you know, help us out with this podcast. And we're glad you got to come on a little bit today. You're welcome. Do you have a closing song or a closing thought for us? <laughs> Let's sing Raining Tacos. <laughs> it's raining tacos, tacos from out of the sky. Tacos, no need to ask why. Just open your mouth. Then close your eyes. It's raining tacos. It's raining tacos. I love it. <laughs> Thank you, Rosie. I think you brighten everyone's day whenever they hear that. So have a good day. Go do some homework. And we're going to talk to Stephanie next. Just remember that it's raining tacos. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks so much for coming on the Iron Women podcast. See you. <laughs> So congratulations on your recent races. You uh, raced Ironman 70.3 Raleigh and finished in third. And then just one week later, you raced Ironman 70.3 Eagle Man and win in a huge victory. So your third Ironman 70.3 victory coming, uh, you know, one week after a great race in Raleigh. Can you tell us a little bit about the races? Uh, both races were really nice. It was a, a first experience for me to race back-to-back -back races. So I was kind of stressed before going out there and show what I'm able to do. Uh, I was going back to Riley to defend my title because I won last year. Uh, so I was pretty stressed when I saw Meredith Kessler and Heather Jackson on the start list, but I was glad that I can compete against those athletes. Uh, it was a really nice race. Unfortunately, I've got a penalty on the bike, penalty that I was deserving because I was, in fact, in the 12 meters trying to pass the girl in front of me. So I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll take it. And then I'm going to try to run my best and go fastest as I can to catch up the girl in front of me. Uh, I was really, really glad to be able to make to the third place and be on the podium with Eder Jackson and Meredith Kissler was kind of special for me because I was looking at those amazing athletes while I was still an age grouper and I was like one day I want to race against them and that was my chance and the week after I was coming to Eagle Man ready to race again uh, I was feeling good but a lot of people have told me that it was kind of hard to do two races back to back and um, I just tried to keep calm and saying to me that I'm, I'm used to do some big trainings and I was ready to do this. Uh, it was a strong swim for me, uh, kind of a good bike. Uh, when I check it with my coach, he was happy with what I did and the run was just <laughs> a fast run. I was so happy to be able to run a 118 uh, half marathon. And Stephanie, I have to ask because I've raced back to back with Ironmans. And I actually, I would almost say that might be easier in a sense, because the level that you're going is, is not quite as hard as you're racing, you know, a 118 and kind of run type of thing. So what did you do that week in between to recover from Raleigh before Eagle Man? Uh, yeah, I'm going the same sense as you. It was easier, I thought, because in between, I was doing almost nothing, just getting ready to do the second race. And I'm used to go back to art trainings and do like six hours trainings a day. 
So uh, the day after Riley, I just got on my bike, turning my legs for a bit, uh, go swim a bit too. Uh, Monday was an easy day too and uh, Wednesday I did some uh, intensity to wake up my legs and get ready and after that I just go with my usual taper for uh, Thursday and Friday and uh, Saturday my little activation before my race. All right. Well, Stephanie, I think we uh, can say your age on here and because it's, it's impressive. You are very young. How old are you? I've turned 23 in April. Okay, so you're just 23, barely 23 years old. So how did you get into triathlon at such a young age, especially long course triathlon? I started triathlon like 12 years ago. So I was racing as a junior and I was doing a draft legal race, uh, mostly uh, down here in Quebec. Uh, I did, I've done some, uh, some uh, national series too. But uh, when I was in my last uh, junior year, it was a, a crappy year, really. Always uh, finishing last, and I was really the youngest on the circuit. So um, I decided that I didn't want to do draft needle anymore, and I wasn't even sure if I want to keep going in triathlon. At this point, I was like tired of always finishing the last one and really far behind um, so my coach told me we'll, we'll see if uh, you like the Olympic distance and after that we're going to try a half Ironman if, if you want so I did like okay I, I'll try and I totally loved the distance it was amazing like when I was racing as a junior I couldn't go faster but I didn't have the feeling that I was exhausted at the end of my race and with the half marathon, uh, half uh, Ironman distance, it's what I feel like. And honestly, I really want to do Ironman, but I'm still waiting because I'm pretty young to do that. And uh, I must say that uh, I did two training camps with Lisa Bentley, and she really inspired me to go, to do a long distance. And I must say that at, at those training camps, I tell myself I will do half Ironman one day. <laughs> And Stephanie, we touched on it a little bit when you talked about Eagle Man, but you've had some really impressive run splits, like your 118 that you ran at Eagle Man. And anyone who has run at Eagle Man knows how hard it is to run fast in the conditions that are typically at Eagle Man, right? And as an age grouper at Eagle Man as well in 2015, you still ran a very respectable 150. But that's a huge improvement in a pretty short amount of time. So can you tell us what kind of changes you made to your run during that time? Was it just a matter of training with more specificity to the distance? Or what, what have you been doing since 2015? I must say that it's really many things that changed over the years. Uh, I was in a totally different uh, mindset at this moment. I wasn't even sure if I still want to do triathlon. And I was just giving me another chance to try another distance. And now I'm fully engaged in my sport and I really want to perform and I love to train. It's really a passion for me. So this is a big difference. And uh, I must say that the training is really, really different. Uh, at this time, I was training like 12 hours, 12 hours a week. I wasn't running that much. And now I'm training a lot. <laughs> and I've changed my coach too. Uh, it's going really well between us. 
and um, he really helped me improve my run uh, with uh, more running in my training weeks and more intensity too. So Stephanie, what does your training look like? I believe you are still a student. And so would you train with a team? Are you mostly on your own? And can you give us an example of a, of a run workout? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm training uh, a little bit on my home and a little bit a, a group. It's not a triathlon club. It's my coach who coach different people and we get together when we can. There's a elite athlete, so the ITU, and there's long distance athletes. Um, there's not much a professional other than me, but it's really fun to see all the people that came in. Like there's some guy that can ride pretty well and I have to stick with them. So I'm having fun with them, but I really like to train alone. And, and it's easier for me when I'm in school because like I'm in university, so the class are not always at the same time. And I try to fit trainings wherever I can because I like to train mostly in the evening, morning and evening, but not too late. So it's hard to combine with people who are working all day and they have to train at night. And then with school, it's kind of hard to manage the training because it's a, like I'm finishing my degree and I'm starting my master's. So I have to put a lot of time at school too. Uh, I'm doing almost full time at school. So my training really vary in the, in the year. So, uh, For now, I'm putting a lot of time on my bike because it's really what I have to work on. Uh, a lot of time in the gym too, mostly in the winter, but I'm still working on that in the summer, uh, but not the weeks before the races. Uh, I'm not running that much. I'm kind of building the volume, uh, but the maximum I will run is 90K. Um, and uh, I'm doing a lot of long runs Uh, some tempo. Uh, I'm also doing a little bit of track, but it's a soft track and it's a longer one. It's 800 meters, so to prevent um, injuries. So, but I'm doing a lot of uh, of bike, like 30 minutes, and we are varying the pace uh, in that 30 minutes. So I'm kind of feeling what uh, 350, 340 feels like after the bike. Because in my race, I never wear a watch. I'm just going to the feeling. That's so interesting. I think many of our listeners will be kind of cringing when they hear that you can <laughs> do run workouts without a Garmin or anything. That's great, though. I, I think it took me a long time to accept more technology into my training. And now I definitely need it, too. But I do look back on the days I didn't use it as much kind of fondly. So that's great. In addition to that, you race really well if people have noticed a theme with the races we've talked about in heat. So Eagleman, Raleigh, you also won in Cozumel in 2017. You were second at Puerto Rico, 70.3. These are all some of the hottest races that you could find on the circuit. So are you picking them because of geography or do you know that racing in the heat is a strength for you? And then how do you prepare for that when you're living in Quebec, Canada? Uh, I choose those races because of the heat. It's the conditions that I perform the best. Uh, like I'm living in Quebec, so it's pretty cold. And we have here the Ironman 70.3 Mont Tremblant. 
and I won't do it this year because it's kind of too cold and it doesn't fit in my race plan. But I really like hot temperature and I feel like when I get on my bike, I can really get to it and I have the power that I need because when it's too cold, I'm kind of, it's too long before I find my legs and really got into the race. Uh, I can't say that I really prepare to the heat. It's like kind of natural, I think, because uh, before racing in Cozumel here in Quebec, it was pretty cold and I arrived like two days before and everything went super well. That is. And we did mention Augusta earlier, which I don't know if we mentioned it. It might have been before we were chatting. Uh, Stephanie and I raced in Augusta. And that year when we raced, it was super hot there. And I was dying. And I lived like only an hour and a half away. (laughs) And um, you ran very well there too. So that's kind of neat. Just someone who goes for the hot races. It's it's a different kind of a tactic. But moving on, I wanted to – I've been looking at your Instagram – And you often refer to your two lucky charms. And I'm assuming that these are your parents based off of the pictures. Hopefully I'm right there. Can you tell us a little bit about them and why they're, you know, they make your races so lucky? In fact, it's my mother and my stepfather, but uh, they really are in every races that that they can with me. Uh, They are my lucky charm because every time they're they are with me. I feel like I'm really calm and I can just focus on my race. They know how how I'm usually before my race. I'm not always easy. (laughs) It's kind of stress got me and I'm a little bit grumpy before the race. And my mother will always be there for me, good race, bad race. And I know that I will have someone at the finish line to cheer with me or to grab me because I'm not happy with what I'm done with what I did and my stepfather is really amazing and he knows everybody that's racing against me he knows their strength and he really gives me some cue to like your seven minute back uh, keep that pace it's really good and he just loved the sports and he loved to be there and I feel like I'm really lucky to have them on every race it would be so nice to have parents around who understood kind of the splits and could help you with that. <laughs> that is impressive. I yeah, know. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, Stephanie, you seem for being, you know, just turned 23, you definitely have a maturity about you to be very kind of level-headed with your decision-making in sport. Is that something you think you've just developed because you have been doing sport for so long or does your coach do you work with anyone to kind of help coach you through the mental aspects of sport too uh over the years I've always been training with older people so I think that that's part of what makes me like major athletes but I think that I have pretty good coaches too and I was uh, I got one coach that was a psychologist too and he really helped me improve in that And every decision that I make, I really take time to discuss with my coach. And everything is really like, we we think about everything and we don't just take a decision based on almost nothing. Like we really analyze the race plan and Ironman 70-20 Mokamla wasn't fitting in that. And that's the reason that I'm not racing, even if it's one hour from my home. 
And please excuse my American accent as I as I as I say not quite as eloquently. Montremblant 70.3, which you just mentioned, it is happening. You're not racing, but can you uh, since you are from the area, can you tell us a little bit about the course for anyone who is racing this weekend or any tips on on, you know, places to go, restaurants to visit? Do you have any suggestions for our listeners? Uh, the course is amazing, honestly. The, the lake is beautiful and it's getting warmer this week, so it won't be too bad. It, it's going to be a wetsuit swim, definitely. And this year, uh, people are lucky. The transition will be a lot shorter because the T1 used to be really, really long. And uh, they have a structure going over the lake that will really shorten the time between the swim and the bike part. Uh, the bike is uh, really beautiful too. The road is beautiful. Uh, the last part, so the last 20k are a little bit harder with uh, some hills and you have to get ready when you're heading to that section because the, uh, the first part is kind of hard. And when you get down the bike, uh, the first part of the run is more hilly. And that after that, it's really flat until the turnaround. And uh, the last part, you're going back to the hill because it's an out and back run. And you're going to finish in the beautiful uh, village of Mont Tremblant. And it's really awesome. There's a lot of people. Quebec loves triathlon. So it's amazing to be crossing that finish line. Uh, I would say that the village of Mont Tremblant, it's really special and every restaurant in there is amazing, every hotel and just walking there at night and even the day, there's really a lot of life and it's really amazing. And I will echo your sentiments there. I did race the Ironman there several years ago and it kind of reminded me of like Ironman Disneyland just because everything (laughs) was perfect. I felt like even the volunteers were like, smiling extra big. So uh, I, um, I hope everyone who is racing there this weekend has a great time. And Stephanie, before we let you go, we definitely want to know what is next for you this season race wise. And maybe even if you've started to think about longer term, I know you mentioned maybe racing longer is, you know, do we have a timeline on that? Do you think? Um, first for this season, I'm going to I'm doing a big training block and I'm heading to a local race in July, Olympic distance to have fun and get prepared. And after that, I'm going to a 70.3 Boulder. And uh, after that, I'm going to Europe for the first time to do 70.3 Nice in France. And I'm going back to Cozumel because I really like this race and the eat over there. Uh, For Ironman, I definitely think about it. Uh, we start talking about this with my coach and like I said we really analyze everything so it's kind of our decision I really want to make an Ironman and we're maybe thinking about uh, 2020 uh, in order when I'm gonna be out of school uh, finish with university uh, having a little bit more time but I think that for now I really have to improve my bike uh, in order to perform in Ironman because I'm kind of confident with my run and my swim, but really the bike is not the, the easiest part for me. And Stephanie, I didn't hear you mention 70.3 worlds. So does that mean you probably will not be in South Africa this year? 
Yeah, exactly. It was kind of expensive for me to go there. Uh, with school, it was hard too because I have some internship. Uh, and I think that I have a lot of work to do. Like I said, I'm pretty young and I still have really a lot of space to improve. And I prefer to go to France. Uh, race in this and getting ready over there because in 2019 it's gonna be over there so I'm giving me the chance to really work on my um, my uh, <laughs> on your your ability to race and compete and yeah, be at the exactly. highest level is that yeah. you know is that kind of what you're going for no I think yeah. that's that's super smart it's just interesting you know to hear that decision being made because I think it is one that you know athletes do talk to their coaches about and are thinking about every year, the travel, the cost and, you know, weighing the pros and cons. So it's always interesting to get your perspective. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us on Iron Women. And we wish you all the best this season uh, with racing. And we will be following along and our listeners will be cheering for you too. Thank you. So we asked Stephanie for the correct pronunciation of her name. And I believe it is something like Stephanie Waugh. I, I think I'm saying Stephanie part wrong there, but she says that she does not mind if people cheer for her as Stephanie Roy. So there you go, everyone. Right from her. She, you know, call her whatever you want, just as long as you're cheering, right? Exactly. And we have, if people want to follow her, I think Instagram's a good place. And she's there as Stephanie Roy3 is probably what will stick in your mind the best to search for it. So go check her out and follow her. And also, Haley, we have the Outspoken Summit. Everyone, don't forget to register. We announced our four speakers this week and that we have so far scheduled. So there's an updated schedule on OutspokenSummit.com. That's where you go to register as well. And Haley, we have Ann Head coming on next week to do an interview with us. So we're going to get a little sneak peek at that. I can't wait. I'm really excited. And I'm also really excited because you're going to go race this weekend. So good luck. Have fun. Race hard. And I'll talk to you next week to hear all about it. Thanks, Alyssa. Talk to you soon. Half of my heart is in Havana. Why I like biking? You're really moving your feet, and it's fun because you can actually steer where you're going when you want to. Whereas in swimming and running, you might have to plan ahead because in both of those things, either in swimming, you can run out of breath, or in running, you could trip and fall. The Iron Women Podcast is produced by Live Feisty Media. Our awesome hosts are Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. Our editor is Aaron Hamilton. Our social media queen is Danielle Adino. And our producer is my mom, Sarah Grouse. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Leave us a review on iTunes. And have a great week of swimming, biking, and running. Bye for now. Bye.